when the work's all done and the sunset low, pull out the fiddle and the rosin up the bow. Kids are asleep, so I keep a catalogue. And thank God I'm a country boy. I'd play Sally Gooden all day if I could, but the Lord and my wife wouldn't take it very good. So I fiddle when I can, work when I should. And thank God I'm a country boy. to fear and loathing and cinema podcast it's a brand new episode today november 6th last episode if you listened it was troll 2 on halloween but now it's thanksgiving it is the holiday season we have our you know our peppermint mochas with us we have our christmas trees and hanukkah trees up and we're getting into that thanksgiving life and we have a wonderful excellent movie today all the way from 1993 i'm brian kluger and i'm joined by the host with the most i've got the man who wears steven tyler pjs steven tyler pjs dan moran how are you i am doing great i am excited for this one i am too also from north texas the inbreeder preston barta how are you Doing well. Majored in podcasting for two semesters. (laughs) And that is very true. And last but not least, oh my God, if your podcast is finger licking, you got to meet this funky chicken, Chelsea Cones. Nicole, how are you? I'm good. I'm ready for some major grindage, Brian. (laughs) Munch on some grindage. The wheat eat easel is here you know we're talking about of course Polly shore the 1993 movie son-in-law the thanksgiving movie uh this was uh made in july 2nd of 1993 or released then but before that let's get to our question our question of the week that we like to do at the very start of this podcast so Polly shore one of my favorites he's an enigma He's a conundrum, and he's an amazing, funny man. If you can insert Polly Shore into any movie to make it better, what movie are you inserting Polly Shore into? Anybody go? <laughs> no, but no, nobody jump at the butt right. Yeah, what's going on? That was a lot of silence. Okay, because I'm so blank minded, and I just look behind me. I have the It Follows poster, so I'd make the Weasel the It. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> so he's the one that follows people? Yeah, but he but he's very vocal and he does all his weaselisms. <laughs> the wee 
eat. I love this so much. Uh, I I would <laughs> recast Timothy Chalamet um, and put Pauly Shore as Paul in Dune. Uh, I was like, oh, you know, hey you know, now! I they got the he's got the hair. He can just not take anything seriously the whole time. Like Paul's constantly moping. And why not just cast him as Wonka? Ooh, even better. <laughs> yeah, all these, all the Oompas got cones. You, you know, know what? <laughs> cast him and call me by your name. Also, let's get real weird with it. Oh yeah, that peach is gonna never look the same. So just basically replace Polly Shore into any Timothy Chalamet role. Just a swap. So like bones and all, Polly Shore. <laughs> The one that would be the most seamless is Don't Look Up. He would absolutely, like, there would be no... no I fucking love fingerling potatoes. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Chelsea. I just said Wonka. I feel like... Oh, so Wonka. So y'all are both in agreement. So Wonka the new one or Willy Wonka with Gene Wilder? Or Johnny Depp? Nothing Johnny Depp. The new Wonka. The new Wonka. Okay. I, this it follows thing is pretty amazing. Yeah, I feel like Preston had the Preston had the most interesting answer. But now you say Johnny Depp, he would have been a great Captain Jack Sparrow too. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna make Dan's head explode right now, and I'm gonna say John Wick replace Keanu with Polly Shore. And I mean, even with the fight scene in Son in Law, which we'll talk about, just he just immediately goes to the fetal position. It's so great. I, I love it. <laughs> And that cry. Yeah. <laughs> Why did you do that? <laughs> what do you have to say I, about that, Dan? What I have to say is I'll see your John Wick replacement and up you. He's the dog that dies in the first one that starts the whole thing. Oh, oh poor Polly Shore. <laughs> like, like just Keanu Reeves trying to go to sleep and Polly Shore waking him up in the morning and then the next day. He's sitting in the front seat of the car, Theon talking shit to him in the gas station, and then he comes home and just kills Herb Paul Shore right in Polly Shore. <laughs> I don't so know. Just... Shore is what starts the John Wick saga. That's what I was just about to say. I'm so All happy need... for like John Wick to get so mad about somebody killing Polly Shore that he you just, just need a slightly bigger crate, and it's still the same sweet note from his wife. It's a be- it's a beautiful moment. <laughs> wait so is he is he so he's playing Polly Shore we're just understanding that he's not a dog but he Correct. is Polly Shore the human, the human being normal. Polly Shore he still arrives in a Very crate good. with the note but other than that he's a complete human yeah eats yeah. on a bowl off the ground like we don't ever acknowledge that he's anything other than a human but he has all dog characteristics okay sounds great so I, I gotta say I love this because John Wick wasn't my first my first pick. I just did that like really off the top of my head just now just to mess with Dan. My first pick was replacing Donald Gibb in Bloodsport, um, Jean-Claude Van Damme's friend with Polly Shore. Because I feel like Polly Shore could like, you know, hit somebody real hard and make it look good. But he's just a funny character in that movie. I, yeah, that's perfect. Okay. Also, he could have had the call sign Weasel and been in Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> oh yeah! But as the age that he is now, Tom Cruise is like, 
I'm 60 years old, but there was one guy I trained before I got fired for the third time and never promoted. Before His Goose. call sign was Weasel. <laughs> <laughs> no, before it's Goose, the it was Maverick and Weasel. It's yes. the Weasel. Oh, my God. Do you think Tom Cruise would ever work with Pauly Shore? No. I, I hope it would so. Be like the to- I think it would be like the Tommy Lee Jones. Um, I can't sanction your buffoonery. <laughs> I can't sanction your buffoonery. <laughs> unless unless and, they did like a Les Grossman spinoff or something. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's I true. He does want to do a Les Grossman spinoff movie. So it's definitely possible that Tom Cruise could get real weird with it. It is. Um, so I love this. I love this movie, Son-in-Law. Again, it uh, was released July 2nd, 1993, the middle of the summer. And it was made for $8 million. Box office-wise, it did over $36 million, So not a, not a lightweight, but not great. Um, Rotten Tomatoes gives it 21%, which is crazy. Uh, the movie was directed by a guy named Steve Rash, who did movies like Can't Buy Me Love, The Buddy Holly Story, Bring It On, uh, bring, bring It On, All or Nothing, Bring It On, In It to Win It. A lot of recent films and then it was written or the story was made by a guy named peter lenkov who um kind of created the recent remake shows of hawaii 50 macgyver and magnum pi which is very interesting um but the the cinematography for this movie is peter deming who um, his first Peter Deming's first cinematography thing was Evil Dead Two, mm-hmm. um, which went on to uh, It Takes Two, but then but then went on to do Scream Two, Three, and Four, and of course Son in Law, which is super cool because I know Preston loved those Scream movies, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Man, he's a fan of the Deuce. He liked those twos. Yeah, no, of course. So uh, to start out with Son in Law. Uh, I remember seeing this in theater. So I was a big Polly Shore fan. I actually saw him live and stand up at the height of his career in the nineties. Um, I, I love the guy and I really loved Encino man, but until son-in-law, we really didn't see Polly Shore as a lead. And when I saw son-in-law, I loved it. He was such a great lead and so good. And I loved back at the time. I thought it was funny. I loved everybody in it. And it just had one of those kind of nostalgic, auras to it that I really loved in the theater. So I loved it back then. And even when I was younger, I didn't really know about movie reviews. So I didn't know it got panned. I just know, remember really loving it and really falling in love with Pauly Shore at the time. And then seeing the rest of his films play out uh, over the next several years. But uh, Chelsea, when did you see this movie? So I've only seen like half of this movie. Um, So I saw the full thing last night. And you're so coming in kind of like a virgin. Uh, and uh, what did you think about it? Oh, I regret to inform you that I really did like this movie. You really didn't? I really yeah. did. Oh, yes. Oh, I really did like this movie. I didn't think it was going to be as like cute or as funny as it was. There are some things that didn't work for me. But as a whole, um, I thought it was really cute. Yeah, it's a it's a great movie. I'm so happy it works so many years later. Almost, uh, God, is it almost 30 years later, which is crazy to say. Uh, Dan, 
Son-in-law, first initial thoughts. When did you first see it? Uh, this must, I think this was a blockbuster special because I can specifically remember the American Gothic, like VHS um, cover and renting it. And this was height of Encino Man, Biodome, all of those movies. So I watched it. I don't know if I watched them in the right order, but I had a Polly Shore phase um, for sure where I watched it. So I know I watched it at home and enjoyed it, but it wasn't until last night, kind of like what Chelsea was saying, I didn't appreciate how much of a traditional rom-com it really is. It's just a fish out of water rom-com movie. Yeah. I mean, this the whole plot, this is essentially every Hallmark Christmas movie, but it has Pauly Shore in it. It's like, oh, you know, the joke's going around. Like we've seen him a thousand times. It's He's the guy from the city who doesn't understand small town life. And except he's a complete character himself instead of whatever, even down to the twist at the end where, (laughs) you know, the ex-boyfriend who's, who looks like he is from there and belongs there gets his comeuppance. It it just, it's so traditional and paint by numbers, but it's really charming, I think, because of him and his uh, persona. I like it. It's pure nice cheese. Yes. Yeah. It is. Thanks, Thanksgivingness. Uh, Preston, enlighten us. First time watching Son-in-Law. I can't pinpoint when I watched it for the first time, but like Dan, it was just it. It brought life to my early years on VHS. It was a movie that I watched all all of Pauly Shore's films for the most part, especially this in, in the Army now and Biodome. And we've already talked about Biodome. Um, the importance of that film on my life. <laughs> um, does, but, does, does Chelsea know that? Does Chelsea know the importance of Biodome and Preston's life? No. <laughs> uh, real quickly, uh, it was the first movie that my wife and I watched when we were first started dating uh, that we shared our first kiss during. So we were watching Biodome. <laughs> or you weren't watching Biodome. We, well, for that second. More then pressed in Then it was, excuse me, miss. I respect you too much on this first date. Yeah. Now back to. Yeah. Now back to the, that was really film. nice. Let's get back to the legend. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I watched it on VHS at some point, and uh, I know this movie inside and out. I've, I can quote it back uh, from front to back. I've seen it so many times. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's a very, I think it's Polly Shore's best film that he's done, um, which is not many, but it is a great one that I just throws a smile on my face every time I watch it. But it, it does like, it's very, very much like Dan said, it's, it's very low stakes. There's not a lot to it. Um, there's no like big thing that really happens at the end, even though what happens at the end is, <laughs> is probably the, the more problematic uh area of the film but um it's it's still like he's such so enjoyable i I was reading roger ebert's review earlier this morning and he said that it's one of the most tiresome movie characters in in some time and which i don't believe at all I, i just find him to be such a breath of fresh air at that time and yeah he's a lot but we all have those friends that are a lot and we have very great memories with them. So I, I think it's a great film. No, it is a great film. I think it's, there, there's some, I think it's like the sweet factor. And I think that let's talk about that character crawl. 
um, yeah. because, you know, it, t- it takes place where this family that lives in, was it North Dakota or South Dakota? And in, on a farm, it's a farm family. And the daughter, Carla Gugino, who you recently saw as the witch woman in the fall of the House of Usher, she's come a long way. Hasn't aged uh, a day. Yeah. Which is really the creepiest part. Yeah, this was her. This was the prequel story to Fall of House of Usher. Yeah. Um, and uh, she's going off to college in California. You know, she's never been probably out of the state. She went to going to California and she's kind of getting homesick. And Crawl, Polly Shore is the resident advisor at the dorm, takes her under his wing. She has the, you know, the the, the physical and the mental change of enjoying college and letting her her freak flag fly. Um, and then at some point, her boyfriend back home, who's a good old boy, wants to propose to her. She gets scared. She gets cold feet. And in order to prevent that, she invites crawl home for Thanksgiving back to North or South Dakota and says to everybody, he proposed to me, we're going to get married. Um, and then the fish out of water thing takes place, but crawl, there's something about crawl that's unlike any other movie character. I feel like, I think there's such a genuineness to him. I think he wants to be friends with a lot of people. He finds if somebody's having a bad day or something, they he wants to let them breathe freely and be original. And like, I love you for you. And I don't think we get that a lot in characters. And I think Polly Shore oozes that in this movie. What, what did you, what'd you think, Preston? In other words, he's Brian. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have my little video camera everywhere. Yeah, yeah, undiscovered country. Like, that's the <laughs> line, but kind of funny. Uh, yeah, he's just like a force of positive thinking. Like he's always just very charming, even though he may not be saying the best things. Um, but it, it, it always has an allure factor to it. Um, so, uh, he, he keeps you on your toes. I think, uh, he's the life of the party. I think as we see later on, uh, during a, a country uh, hold down, hold down, get together. Yeah, um, <laughs> buff the wood. Um, really great sequence. Um, so yeah, he's. I would love. I'm, I'm sure this is going to be a question later on, but after it, I was like, man, I would love to get the Devil Wears Prada version with him in it, where we get to see like what sort of uh, impact he has on the fashion world um, because of what he does for Connie in this film and so and well, and, and himself when he comes into like the banquet towards the beginning of the movie and he's like at the cut off jeans and the spandex like th- why is nobody dressing like that for halloween that's what's your thing. favorite outfit out of all the outfits that he has in the film it's that one it is that one it, when he comes in with like the little the, with the boots but they're like cut off like low yeah. tops with the spandex the cut off shorts and like i love that i i want that outfit i would wear it yeah I agree. I also like his tie dye sure cut off sweater. It's pretty great. <laughs> I do. Yeah, I like the tie dye sweater. So, like so Chelsea, what do you think about dye. Crawl as a character? Does he? Did you echo Preston and I, or like watching it full for the first time, really in full? What do you think of that character? Does he? Is he? Is he like a completely original character that you don't see often, or does he blend in? Um, I think he's a blend of a lot of different kinds of characters but i do think for 
Polly Shore, he's kind of like a, in this, it's a, it's a breath of fresh air. And I feel like if you went to college, you knew, like, you knew someone like him, um, someone who kind of like lingered a little too close, but ultimately like his motives weren't, he had no like alter, ulterior motives. Like everything was said on honestly um, and upfront. So he was pretty harmless, just a curious guy. I don't know. I really, when you first meet him, he's kind of like, oh, he's a little douchey, but he crawled his way into my heart pretty quickly. So he does. And I, I watching it back, going back to my college years, uh, Kansas, I all, I had that same video camera. I brought it everywhere. And I was telling people, you know, middle America, middle America. Oh, in the fields. Yeah. I, I have videos like on those little mini DVs, like stacked somewhere. And I was, and I, and I remember being in the dorm and a couple people got homesick and me trying to come on, let's go, let's go party. Let's you, you're not, you haven't even been outside of this yet. You got to experience it. So See, I, I, I really related to it. Huh? See, what did I say? I said, you're, you're yeah. probably sure. sure. It's good. Uh, Dan Moran, the law, what do you have to say? About what? We jumped around to his attire. We jumped around about if you're him. I got a lot to say. Um, Yeah, no, his, this is a, a, like everyone has said, this is a singular character, but doing all the Pauly Shore stuff. But I think there's a sweetness to the character that is much more prevalent in this movie than some of his others that makes me enjoy it more than I anticipated. But it's kind of like, everybody is against him in the movie throughout the whole movie and when he, like everybody well, and yeah, then they spend a little huh they're all just disappointed in her for picking him so they're no but him, but they're not like but they're oh. like closed minded even her even carlo gugino she's closed off to him at first until they kind of what chelsea you said no no i was i was gonna say Yes, they're closed off to him, but I'll also I don't think this this movie is as much of like a romantic comedy as people think it is. I think it's very much more friendship based. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I agree with that I Which agree with that. in the way that it does. Yeah, which it's like, it's, it's like not to jump ahead, but it's well, like he didn't want to disappoint the family in the end because of the relationships that he made. So let's not break their hearts and yeah. just kind of keep this going as long as we can. But it, but it, but Chelsea's right. It is about friendships and finding that common ground with everybody. Like even Travis, the bad guy or Theo, the big fat um, farmer guy, they bond, they don't bond at all except for like, Oh, he, you, you're a terrible farmer, but you're a really good drinker or with the young one with, with the great Hambino from Sandlot, uh, you know, his computers or the dad with saving his, his, the grandfather and whittling wood and just like, there's just, everybody's against this guy and he makes friendships really easily. And I really like that about it. Cause he's a, uh, I mean, to them, he's an eyesore. Right. Because they don't know any better. It is like what you said, it's the fish out of water, like that plaid middle America to crazy west coast california and he's 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 taking both and weaving it <laughs> yeah 
And I think it plays out well still 30 years later, which I think is great. So with his character, is is there another character that's a bright spot in here? I mean, minus Tiffany Amber Thiessen, which is just amazing. But uh, is Carla just... Carla She's Gugino not just... amazing in this, though. Who? Tiffany Amber Thiessen. Oh. She's amazing in this. She's oh, nice wow. to look at. Oh, that, well, that, I think that's what he meant. Okay. <laughs> but I, I thought we're talking about actual, like, is she good? No, she I is. Mean, I think she good. was fine. She's good. So who's the who's the other one to polish Shore? <laughs> so do you find Carla Gugina's character annoying or kind of the bad guy here? Or do you think that the father has the biggest turnaround rather than Craw? The bright spots in this are, I feel like, are the dad and the brother. The brother yep. keeps bringing the like comic relief. Um, Deduce me, please. Patrick Renna. Yeah. Patrick Renna, the great Hambino Sandlot, and he was on yeah. uh, Boston Legal, and he's in this. He's so good in this, and I think he's so great in this. Because I think, let's talk about the nuance, the little small detail nuances in this movie. There's so many things that don't get shown in movies these days, but like the real little jokes that, you know, like even Zach, pull out the chair for your sister and he does it all the way so she falls down. It's just like real quick, but it's like those little moments, like it really feels like a real family and brother and sister, right? Yeah. Especially when you get to the dorm. Yeah, when you get to the dorm, yeah. It is... uh, all, all, all of what happens leading up to the dorm is very much like a real family type of situation. Uh, them, instead of flying, you know, it's a lot of luggage. Uh, so they have to take all that from South Dakota to California. And just the arguments with like, you know, the dad driving frustrated because of the traffic, because they're not used to that sort of thing where they're from. And so that's a whole new experience. And then just being completely overwhelmed as they enter the uh dormitory and they get to see like all the life that that was like the most nostalgic moment for me um is just even though i was a very very young kid at the time but my my touch with that sort of reality that kind of grunge age or like that just carelessness that they had at the time is uh very much uh uh, the the lights being shown on that in, in that sequence just kind of seeing all these different people walking around and the family just trying to you know get through um so to, to kind of answer your que- original question brian definitely zach patrick renna is the the other you know equ- maybe not equally but definitely a very uh funny and entertaining character but my favorite character in terms of like just i enjoy the arc of them is connie the mom because starting from that dormitory sequence like we see like her walking down the hallways as it's very crowded. They're trying to get all the luggage into uh, Becca's room. And then we see a guy walking around with a towel on and then somebody whips it off and he's naked. And then she gets like full look at this dick. And you see this expression on her face and it's like this, like she's kind of turned on by it. But then as like the dad's like, I don't know what he says, like, holy shit. Or he goes, oh my God. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and then she's like still holds this face of like I don't I don't know if it's because I know what happens later on and as I tease with like uh the way that uh 
Polly Shore uh, crawl, you know, dresses her up for the ball, so to speak. Um, you get to, she's always had this like free spirit within her that's just been so contained by where she lives and how she's grown up and who she married that she's always maybe like even Becca has been itching towards something that was a little more free. You kind of pick up on that and those little nuances of like just her, her expression to me sells this idea of like, she wishes that this was kind of her or like what she had experienced. Um, yeah. That's what I gathered. So that's I a good, good, good take on that. Uh, Dan, what do you think? Best character. Other than Polly Shore, right? Right. I kind of, I mean, we've already talked about the brother and we've already talked about the dad. I think those are the best come around characters or whatnot. Um, but I think the the boyfriend, who is a complete piece of shit, is such a heel. Like, he's so, like, you just, the minute he's on screen, I hated him immediately. Every time he spoke, yeah. I hated him. I hated the way he dressed. I hate everything about that guy. And I think it takes a special kind of actor to be like, I'm so hateable looking that I'm just <laughs> going to take this role and just go with it. That I, I enjoyed him as being a foil the entire time. Even the way he gets pissed off when the guy tells the truth, when the employee is like, we just did it as a prank. And he's like, oh, I was like, dude, your buddy, you just admitted to drugging him. And now you're mad at him. Like, come on, what are we doing here? Yeah, he's right. like he's like the heavy, and that actor he's like one of the mains on. Was it? Oh God, is it? It's not General Hospital. It's one of like the biggest um, daytime soap operas. He's like um, one of the mains on there. He missed his calling by fifteen years because he just would have been the villain in every John Hughes movie back in the eighties. He would have been <laughs> the bad guy. It's it's that square such, face, such a stereotypical eighties mm-hmm. looking dick, <laughs> right? And and I love that, you know, even though they graduated high school at the beginning of the movie, but at the end of the movie, he is still wearing his letter jacket. <laughs> yeah, but douches like Big that, they, they continue to wear their letter jackets like for like years after. Yeah, it's good. Because he peaked in high school. Yeah. <laughs> my, my 20th year, there was someone who... I know will be there with a, yep, definitely be wearing a Letterman jacket and we will all laugh. We will all laugh so hard. <laughs> like, how did, one, one, congrats on still fitting in it, number one. But number two, like, come on, man. Imagine being impressed by that. It's like you're 40. Like no one thinks you're cool in a letter jacket. <laughs> you never know. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, so... What were you Brian's saying? favorite is Adam Goldberg as the Native American. As the know? Indian. I saw him for a second because it happens right after our favorite whale, Brendan Fraser. He yeah. shows up and then he's walking down the hall and then in comes, you know, Adam Goldberg. And he has one line and you're just like, Polly Shore and him were really good friends in real life. Had to put him in there. Yeah, he was in this the same year as Days to Confused. And he has like, <laughs> let me guess, you're a hip washer lady. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was so good. Yeah, Adam Goldberg. I So I forgot he was in this until I watched it last night. And I was like, oh, shit, it's, it's the Hebrew hammer. It's Adam Goldberg in 
in here. So I was uh, I was pleasantly surprised. Um, watching it again, Dan, watching it again, Chelsea, not much, so much Preston because Preston and I like watch this movie a lot. Chelsea, Dan, what was your reaction to seeing Brendan Fraser come on screen as Encino Man? Um, second only to his appearance in Killers of the Flower Moon for me, as far as excitement <laughs> of like, he is here. He is, <laughs> he is the Brendan, he is the Fraser. But um, yeah, no, it was it was fun. I I had no idea he was going to be in it. I completely forgot. Yeah, they so if I had ever known. <laughs> in all of other Polly Shore movies, like in the Army Now and Jury Duty, he does show up uh, in those movies as well. But uh, Chelsea, what do you think? No, I just looked at him and I said, "Look, baby, Brendan Fraser." <laughs> <laughs> With the- they all look like babies in this movie. I think like Carlo Gugino was twenty two. This is like, it's 30 years later, which is insane. Yeah, she's so crazy. And like, I want to go back to what Preston said about what's your favorite costume of the the movie. And there's so many. God, we need to have the costume designer on for this movie. Because even the Halloween outfit of the the fruit lady is so memorable and great. Yeah, he's he's a good looking, good looking lady. He is, he is, but I like his style, and then I like how his style came over to um, Carla's character and how she, they did that. It was there. I mean, I think did we did any of you go through like a change in college or anything of like style and stuff like that, like wardrobe wearing? Because I know I did. I, I grew up during the uh, Jinko wearing G- uh, shorts, shorts. Uh, so that was a cool thing to have the long pockets. I was, I was uh, after post the four people pants that everybody wore, where they like really mm-hmm. went out in it. Uh, so, but yeah, the Jinko jeans. You got to uh, get those at like Gadzooks or something. Oh yeah, yeah, and it had to have like the very like noticeable. Uh, patchwork on the back with like things yeah. and shit. Oh my god, that's that's impressive, Dan. Any any style changes through the years? I think I just went. I think it just took a couple years to realize that I'm never going to be able to actually dress cool because I don't care enough. So there would be like those years where you would be like, "Oh, this is an in style shirt or something, mm-hmm. or a cool like." Yeah, Dan get up since birth. Yeah, but you wouldn't. But you, I wouldn't go all the way for it. So it's like, oh, cool, you have this cool shirt, but you're wearing old navy jeans and like some other shoes, so it just looks out of place. And I eventually was just like, I don't think I'm gonna ever be that style guy. So that was probably my change was not trying to keep up and just like realize I can't pull it off. Dan's like the Ethan Embry character and uh, can't hardly wait. It's like um, he's like he's Preston. He wears. T-shirts, jeans, and T-shirts sometimes. <laughs> I like yeah, that. His character being named Preston. Yeah, Preston. Uh, Chelsea. <laughs> Chelsea, I know you went through some changes probably, right? Um, I did get a tattoo when I went to college. That was like the first thing I did. What, um, oh, so because she because the okay, now, Carla Gugino now. got a tattoo in college right when she went too. um so that tattoo is actually that tattoo is actually real they wrote it into the the script i did not know that yeah Yeah. um what tattoo tattoo did you get i got a little shooting star on 
the I have a tiny shooting star because my my mom's uh maiden name is Star. Okay. I thought all I, right. So you got I a tattoo. And do you still cool. and do you still dress the same as you did in college? Um no, I actually went from high school dressing very like emo punky to dressing very preppy in college. Um I also dyed, I'm now just thinking, I also dyed my hair like bleach blonde, like full white blonde, got a tattoo. So I can kind of relate. <laughs> That's what she did in the movie right here. A little bit. I didn't even think about that. But <laughs> I, went, I went from Jinko jeans to being in emo phase with Hot Topic, all the bands, and I had earrings. Um, I had you have the plugs, earrings. huh? Did you have I had plugs? I had I had a ten size ten, and so I, I wore the flat ones, so it okay. made it look like it was bigger than it actually mm -hmm. was. So like the dumbbell ones, yeah. Um, I had those until I was twenty or twenty one. Um, I still have the holes. Uh, God damn it! Where are these pictures? <laughs> I, I can show them to. Um, That's all I care about. That's all I care about. <laughs> show me the pictures. I, I I went through a skater. I was skater like, in middle school, like because like skate world was huge, like skateboarding and that sort of stuff. Like, but yeah, I was just hanging around a lot of guys from bands and a lot of like shows. So that was my like early college life. What happened to me is I used to wear glasses and have my hair up, and then I just took them off one day and let my hair down, and now people won't leave me alone. <laughs> so you did a, a reverse laney boggs yes okay <laughs> we can do that movie uh son of a so but but that physical transformation is like the um the metaphor for all of the changes in son-in-law yeah she so, went from a, being a horse girl with like the thickest yarn of sweaters to being completely liberated yeah. yeah, which is super cool to watch unfold on screen. Um, the the humor in the movie, I've thirty years later. This is probably the fiftieth time, maybe more, that I've watched this movie. Uh, I still laugh out loud at a bunch of sequences, like almost all of them, because they're so funny. Um, like I still quote constantly um when crawl is in the tractor and he has the cassette tape and he goes where can i stick this and it's such a great delivery what do you use that for brian what line do you <laughs> feel that that's appropriate that's it's always appropriate <laughs> does not people? matter like what group, like in a group of people yeah where can i stick this uh i just think that the humor still holds up i think it's pretty much timeless even though there's like no cell phones or anything like that i think there's a reference of a pager in there but i think it's like a timeless comedy uh that i think works really well and i think it only works with Polly shore uh anybody agree or disagree no roger ebert said that john belushi would do a better job no no because john, no, john belushi i think would be because like if you because he, he's clearly thinking John Belushi, Animal House. But Bluto is not 
really a good friend to anybody. He's funny to watch and look at. And when he's rambling about the Germans bombing Pearl Harbor, it's fantastic. But he doesn't have that that chemistry or that genuineness, I think, that Pauly does here. I agree. Yeah. Something like that. I don't know. Humor, hold up. Uh, Dan. The humor... No, yes and no. Hang on. I'm going to explain. Get some no's. I, I find it like, amusing. I'm, yeah, I find it amusing to go back and look at it, but in the same way where I feel like Will Ferrell's like shtick has kind of died out the past 10 years, I feel like Pauly Shore, I know he had lots of other things going on, like this explosion of his type of humor and the weasel was big and it worked. And then people got over it and there was a long time without any of his movies or that humor working and people calling him annoying. I think there's kind of been a renaissance to be like, no, this period was actually really funny. And these movies were actually really funny and he should be appreciated for what he is. Um, So I think it holds up now in retrospect, but I think this movie was 93. I think if you asked me, like at the height of Anchorman or something like that to go and watch Son-in-Law, would I have been like, this movie's as funny? I think my senses, I would have been like, no. Or Billy Madison a few years after this. I feel like it's all... Well, yeah, the comedy has changed. That's what I mean, you have that one actor and people are like, he has his five-year window where he is on top of the world and people are like, we get it and we move on to the next one, move on to the next one and keep going. But I think that when you give it as much time as I've given this and go back to watch it, what was it? It's like 30 years. It it holds up or reinvigorates what made it great for me. Okay. That's a good answer. Chelsea, did you laugh at all in the movie? <laughs> I told you I liked it. Well, you liked it, but did you laugh at all? Yeah. I, I mean, the first, I don't even know where the thing is, but the, the first laugh, the first big laugh that got me was right off the hook of where the guy is just like going like this to his diploma. <laughs> like that that, <laughs> killed, that killed me. That killed me. And I was like, holy, like, it's not even like a Polly Shore thing. Um, no, I think it's really funny. Uh, what, <laughs> what made me, I think what made me laugh the biggest w- was the brother. Um, and I wrote it down he's going through like her her roommate's underwear and he goes sensible white cotton briefs Rebecca you must be a real thrill seeker and that just made me really happy I want to talk about Zach the 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 little brother Patrick Renna because I feel like Patrick Renna in this movie, like the Zach character is the coolest kid ever in film. Like what he has in his room at the time, what's on his walls. And so like, he's like the coolest kid in cinema. I feel like. He's really cool, especially for being a country bumpkin. Like his whole, his whole persona was supposed to be, we're so out of touch. We're out here shoveling shit and feeding cows. And it's like, no, this kid's cool. (laughs) Like what is going on here? He likes computers and Playboys. Like, that's his shtick. But, like, on his walls were, like, all, like, cool comic book art and movie posters. And it wasn't, like, the stereotypical Fred Savage just, like, baseball pennants, you know? Like, he, this kid really had more of a, a taste. And, like, 
he doesn't even tell crawl about the playboys like if you think like an older kid's coming into your room is like fuck yeah i got playboys no it's just like wait you have playboys what what month don't hold out he's like i subscribe and he just leaves the room like <laughs> mic drop it's like it's genius right yeah. yeah, I love the journey of that the the Playboys too, because then there's that whole bit with uh, Polly Shore when he's sitting on the counter and he and he's like, "Man, Becca left me with a semi last night, but don't worry, I got some Playboys and and the poisons have left the building." And she goes, "Thank God!" Um, <laughs> right in front of the mom, they're all cool with talking about masturbation. That was a great line that I feel like, but it's it's also like it's very family friendly and talking about it, you know, yeah. because I feel like that conversation could have been way more vulgar, but like in the Seinfeld episode, the contest, why that's such a genius episode is that they're talking about jerking off, but they never mention any of that. They don't even say masturbation. They're trying to figure out ways to say it for like a PG audience without really saying it. And I feel like they did that in son-in-law with all of that, humor from Polly Shore. I love that episode of Seinfeld. Yeah, it's one of the best. The contest is great. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but no, you're, you're, you're right. I, I think uh, Patrick uh, Rinna is really great in that part. And he very much is like a city kid living in the country. It doesn't exactly like make sense to you, but it's very satisfying to see someone who kind of maybe clashes with the family off screen. We don't really see it that much. He's just kind of chill, um, but it, it it definitely lends some perspective to the relationship that he has with his dad because there's that whole fishing sequence later on. I'm getting into like the, the more award-worthy moments. No, no, but that, but that is an award-worthy moment with the whole realization of grandfather yeah. to father to son that nobody realizes it except for the pe person that everybody thinks is an idiot that realizes it, right? Yeah, it's like hereditarial ignorances. I don't know how you can like put that into words, but yeah, that whole fishing sequence is really good. And it, it allows uh, some moments of pause. Like one of my favorite moments that I thought even, it doesn't it doesn't require uh, Pauly Shore to really say anything. He's just kind of, he has this moment of realization post that scene of like how much this family means to him. And like, he's kind of okay with like pumping the brakes every now and then. And he has a quiet moment where he's like kind of leaning up against the fence, looking out at the sunset and the farm kind of thing. And it's a very nice moment that I think could show that, yeah, maybe Polly Shore doesn't need to crank it up to uh, 200 or a thousand, wherever he's at. And he could do something maybe like Brendan Fraser on the whale level. I think he could if you if you gave him the material to do that. But I think he it's a good performance where he can, you know, highlight all the parts of him that make Polly Shore. But also like he has some awards kind of moments in there. Yeah. I completely agree, especially with that scene, because, OK, it being that movie and that fishing scene when the grandfather kind of has like a heart um, issue and Polly just goes into like savior mode. And, you know, we have like the the funny moment that's in the trailer and in the movie where he's about to give him CPR. It's like he kissed me. Yeah. And but 
I wonder, do you think that if they didn't add that comedic scene to it, do you think that scene was originally written to be more dramatic, like you say, and they added that just to have like the comedic beat to it? Because it almost feels a little bit out of place. Um, because I love, I like even just like that little moment when uh, the grandfather leans up and he's okay. And he goes, he tried to kiss me. And Polly Shore's reaction is just, mm, he's okay. And I'm not even going to say anything to it. I'm just going to smile. and like, that's a good, that's, that's good. I, I noticed that. And I loved that part. Yeah. It reminded me a little bit of uh, in Dumb and Dumber when they're doing the pills are good sequence because that that's all they i mean they're not the smartest of people in it obviously in uh, title hints that but the just them as somebody's kind of having like a, a a moment where they need some medical care and they just come in with the pills and they're the wrong pills obviously a different outcome compared to this film but it just kind of has that innocence to it like they're only operating at the level that they can everything that they know and so he's taking it from like I, you know, I learned this from a semester in college because he's taken like almost every class possible for any, it's like his, his Swiss army knife, so to speak, is from everything that he's taken in college. Um, and so uh, it, it's, it, it hits, it's very genuine. I would say, I don't know if it feels out of place to me. I think it's like, cause his expression is just like, because uh, it's so like, oh, okay, everything's good. Um, Cause he was kind of scared for a moment, but I think what really kind of smooths it out is the conversation that they have when they get back to the house. And then uh, the dad is like uh, talking to crawl and says like, thank you for doing what you did for my dad. And then you kind of pause for a second. Like, what did he really do? I guess he just caused him to laugh and kind of having a, a good moment, um, which maybe he hasn't had. Cause he's always kind of, they're off to themselves doing their own things and they don't have, maybe don't have a lot of moments where they can have like genuine thoughtful conversations with each other. And I think with crawl being in their, their lives, it's kind of disrupted that and maybe they can have stronger connections now. Well said, uh, Dan, Chelsea, what about that scene? Do you like, I'm not going to be able to add more than how Preston just broke it down. So I don't really want to waste my breath on it. He, he, he kind of nailed it okay chelsea i'm gonna say the same thing and <laughs> i'm gonna and also i i don't i don't think there was any more to be said i think the whole point of that scene was him actually bonding with his father and then you know putting in this this little situation that happens with the grandfather but the grandfather is never going to change and you know him trying to administer CPR, he's always going to be like, oh, God, the city boy tried to kiss me. Um, but mm-hmm. I think they got everything they needed to out of it. And I think it was more of a bonding with the with the father and to kind of look at the like generational things um, with, you know, him and his father and his own son. Yeah, agreed. I also love how Crawl is like he's itching for the challenge. Like he wants to bond with them. That's why he's always doing his like kind of slow scoot away, hoping that they'll change their minds. So that connection 
is is true and it can you know live up to its full potential because he sees that um so because he know. didn't really have like a good home life as it is no, yeah you can gather he, that yeah he he owes oh, his mom is on her fourth marriage to a guy who sells plastic catheters <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh pretty good so uh best scenes in the movie i know preston you said uh the hoe down was one of your favorites yeah yeah i mean the fishing sequence in terms of like what how uh fruitful it is with uh like some deeper things going on there but in terms of like comedy like i love that sequence when, when they go to the the barn uh bar that they have and uh, all these old people are dancing in there and he just livens up the party and is having an impact on the community as well as the family and just kind of seeing like what what's been happening in terms of like a domino effect I guess like when Connie first comes in and then the dad is probably you see that he's about to have this reaction where he's probably going to say I don't know Connie, it's probably too much or something like that. He's about to say that. But because this other guy comes in and says, hey, do you want to dance? He's like, hell no, get the hell out of here, you know? Um, and it just, he, it allowed him to kind of allow the Pauly Shore crawlness to affect him. And then, and then you see the later sequence of like when they go back to the house and it seems like they're like a young, they're young school kids about to like have a great night together. And like the dad, the, the grandpa's witnessing this as he's like, hey, we're gonna have to rain check that. I'm gonna go upstairs. And they and his look is like together. <laughs> yeah, they scoot they scoot the beds together, which I guess they scoot that's the beds. Yeah. Yes. So I have I have to ask about that. I think that's one of the first times I ever saw that in a movie. And I I think I saw the movie with my parents when it came out. And I was like, did y'all do that ever? Like, do y'all know anybody like in your family that had separate beds when they were together. Yeah, I could I could say some people, but I'm not going to say their names. But uh, I, yeah, I, I've seen that, and it's kind of like a Amish living type of thing. <laughs> like we we only scoot them together on certain nights of the week, or you know, anniversary only. Uh, I don't know what it is, but yeah, I think that Tim Allen movie did it too with like Christy Alley, that the Amish one. I think if I'm remembering, so long since I've seen that one. Um, a very long time I, th I think chelsea's internet is a little choppy i don't know what she's saying dan dan any specific scenes that stuck out to you so my favorite scene um that hasn't been mentioned is i love when he gets in the combine yeah, the tra big tractor and drives to the cornfield. I don't know why it's so funny to me, but just like the tarp being over it, him yeah. finding a place for the John Denver tape, getting so excited and randomly spelling out, you know, just his like, name. Yeah, it's just <laughs> it's just so dumb and fun, and the reaction of the dad and his employee yeah. is so funny to me. Like it's, but his dad was fine with it. If you know, like the dad, right when he got out of that that machine that $250,000 automobile uh he does the 180 to Theo and says that first gear can be a little tricky and then you see the dad walk off screen smirking at the employee and I thought that was genius because nothing happened nothing big happened if right. something had uh yeah he'd definitely be with 
would be livid, but I think he just knows like, cause this was, this is when they had like a breakthrough as a family, uh, all of them together. And so I think because he's been working harder, trying to really, uh, crawl has, he's been working harder to try to, you know, be ahead of the family. Cause they think that, Oh, well, or especially Theo, Theo's going to find a way to get to him and make him leave. Um, but no, he crawls up for the challenge and he'll, you know, do it his own way. Put on put on rollerblades and put on a backpack full of seed and, you know, roll his way down the strip and feed all the animals and uh, be so ahead that he learned how to, uh, you know, ride on a pig and things like that. So all that stuff is very enjoyable, uh, even when it like back, maybe not backfire, but it just like goes out and like very unexpected ways, especially the, the, the getting the turkey sequence because he thinks like, Oh, this is it. I'm going to find the way to get through. And then, um, and then crawl goes about his own way, does his own little coup, his own crow and uh, the turkey dies. Or well, it doesn't because that's how I was going to bring up. I think crawl is an animal lover because he throws the fish back in the pond. Yeah. When the bird, the turkey comes alive, he's like, it's a miracle. Um, he's loving all the animals on the farm. He does, it doesn't seem like he eats meat there. <laughs> Just a big lettuce sandwich. <laughs> Which I, I loved that about it. Um, so the music in the movie, I for first off, the last song during the end credits of Son in Law is the Queen song, Crazy Little Thing About Love. I totally forgot it was Queen. I was like, oh my god, that's genius. What did y'all like the um, the the soundtrack, the countryness, or the the Californian grunge pop? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, that 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 final uh, track, uh, not the Dwight Yoakam version, is uh, very good and captures the spirit of the whole movie because that's them doing their whole taking a picture together. And yeah, I I, I always register that song with with uh, Son in Law, but I'm trying to remember like everything else that plays uh, throughout it. So other well, than Boot Scoot and Boogie. Yeah, <laughs> which was very popular at the time. Yeah, isn't there a country version that plays of like the way you look tonight? Maybe which part? Um, at the at the hoedown. Might be, yes. Um, I think it's one of not so. Yeah, not the boot scooting and not the. One where crawl gets up there and says the finger licking funky chicken thing, oh. fun <laughs> but there I think there is. I think you're right. Yeah, Green Acres theme song. Oh, he sings Green Acres in the movie and sings pretty much the full John Denver. Thank God I'm a country boy. Yeah, uh, I forgot about a uh, little Miss uh, Can't Be Wrong by the Spin Doctors. The yeah. Spin Doctors mix. Um, <laughs> yeah, they have a. That's like the song that plays as soon as she. Gets her gets her hair colored. Yep, I forgot about that one too until I until that was probably my favorite needle drop that I was like, oh, I forgot this. I mean, I forgot about this song, but not really. And then when it started playing, I was excited. <laughs> oh, oh, uh, the like Guns and Roses, hey, good looking. Oh, oh yeah. yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
Is there any dialogue in the movie that you want to quote every day? I'm all out of vodka. <laughs> <laughs> Chelsea? I like the, if you see any ba- any like sweet little baby nugs, send it my way. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I do like that. Dan? No. <laughs> Why not? Because I don't, I don't go around quoting Polly Shore or talking like, like he's his own thing. I can't do it like you can. <laughs> I, I I love the, I, I love singing the song. The old Mick Walter had a farm, E-I-E-I-O, and on that farm he had a boy with squishy, puffy cheeks, and they're just both marching out of the kitchen. I was like, I love that so much. There, there's a like. I'm, I'm, I'm like struggling to try to think of like a lot of them right now because almost every moment that he talks is, is quotable. There's something to it. Even, even the brother, as we mentioned, but it, it's so fun for me for how much I've seen it. It just comes up regular occurrence, like something will be happening in my life and I will find a way to bring up something from this movie. Uh, I'm trying to think of like what is the it one is, well, right after the, the movie came out. Uh, I would go up to random people and go inbreeder, <laughs> and I had no idea really what it meant back then, but I just thought it was so <laughs> <Yeah>. good. <laughs> it, it was like it was like similar to the movie Cable Guy when that movie came out. I love Cable Guy, but when Jim Carrey is go is is feeling the walls for Matthew Broderick's apartment, and he just does like the thing. Yeah. Goes, that's your sweet spot. I did that. Any house I went to, I would do that to people. <laughs> <laughs> that's <laughs> creepy. I I love. It was so good. That's your sweet spot. Um, but like with the inbreeder thing, it was the same thing. I loved when he did that because I thought it was so funny. But like, like his things, like I'm gonna take your style my style i'm just gonna i'm gonna enter i'm gonna weave it in and he's just so animated and i it gets you excited i like it i i quote uh fleas you pick it i stick it (laughs) we forgot to bring up flea it's like look at this he's he's burnt out man he's like yeah it's a fair point yeah He's like, I'm thinking, she's like, I, I'm thinking of, uh, I want something feminine. And then he's like, he's standing right next to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so good. You pick it, I stick it. Um, I definitely do, where can I stick this all the time? That's so great. Dan, or Dan said he doesn't quote Polly Shore. He's too good for us. I'm not, I'm not too good. It's just, I don't, I. you're asking me honestly. I got to be honest. I don't walk around. I, I I quote Bill. I quote Adam Sandler and Will Ferrell more than I've ever quoted Polly Show. Okay. I just thought of the one that I do the most. Okay. I do you likes. You likes? Like when he says cheek chillers, you likes? I hate <laughs> <laughs> cheek chillers. <laughs> I like how he calls them cheek chillers. Like it's just he has his own language and I love it. So good. Uh Chelsea, what are what are you quoting cool. now? No, I the the if you have any little baby nugs, send them my way. I love that one. Watch out for that button right there. <laughs> yeah, that's love. It's so good. Uh, I love this movie. So, son-in-law. Okay, I get literally just. I feel like I could watch this like every week and still be happy and 
happy that I'm watching it. Are there any behind the scenes to this movie that we don't know about that we haven't mentioned yet? Like, I didn't know that Carlo Gugino's tattoo was for real. And they entered that into the movie, which is super cool. But did they have like... Because I know like this was for um, Encino Man. They wanted a Poly Shore vehicle, but I guess so they didn't really... Huh? I'm sure Chelsea probably knows this better than I do because she always does uh, the the homework of looking up IMDb trivia or Wikipedia or whatever it may be. But the only thing I remember uh, from a story from a couple of years ago is that he was supposed to do this movie called Totally London or, or something like that. I can't remember what it's called. Um, but he want he was he didn't even want to do this movie. Like he wanted to do something else that where he was going to be a au pair, mm-hmm. uh, which is that. And then um, there, there was like this whole divide thing going on between. So I think New Line Cinema owned the Totally London one and then Disney wanted him to do this one, but he was more invested in the other one. So Disney bought the other one, Totally London, took the script and then just said, hey, you got to do Son-in-Law. So they just bought it just to, you know, spy him a little bit. But he ended up being his best role. No, yeah, I think it was one of his best roles, if not his best role for sure. I like that. I know he was supposed to his his original name was not Crawl, it was Snake. Yeah. I'm Snake. so glad they yeah. went with Crawl. Yeah. Crawl's so much better. Yeah, Crawl is because he's no Snake Pliskin in this movie. No. My I mean, I guess like Slitherback goes, how did you get that name Crawl? Because that's how I always came home freshman year. Uh but yeah, all right. So crawl. All right. So uh Dan, segment time. Compare it and contrast it to your favorite movie, John Wick. I gotta say, we kind of already did it with Crawl taking over as the dog in the original John Wick <laughs> at yeah. the beginning of the podcast. That's fantasy, that's cheap. I need a real answer. Real answer. Real answer. Real, the real answer would Fucking be law. I got it. I got it. The real answer is the the douchebag um boyfriend from the town who wants to marry Carla not her name but what I yeah, yeah, wants to marry her he is an enforcer that thinks that he can like take down John Wick one on one he's got the perfect attitude for it i could see him being like oh this guy he just killed 37 russians i got this under control you know what i mean like i i do fucking crossfit and just walk into the room and dying in 30 seconds he has the jawline for it. Yeah, he, he, like perfect enforcer. Well, I like that. Like maybe he thought that like he punched Crawl once and he fell down crying that he could do that to a mafia. <laughs> he, he's like, a pencil pusher. He could do it. Like he honestly, he, honestly, he should do. He would be perfect as like a um, one of the random people at the Continental who's just like there who like thinks that they're a good assassin. <laughs> he has the look to just he thinks he's such a badass that guy was so good john wick hasn't been to middle america yet so that's the crime boss he's the he's, he's, like a date rape, he's the date rape drug assassin yeah <laughs> travis you just chill um, which we should get to uh chelsea you hinted at that you take some issue with some some of this film oh yeah because uh, we're all talking about how much we love this movie but some of the stuff didn't work out for you i'm trying to figure out what moments that would be so this was a 
so we're doing movies with like Thanksgiving spirit, food, family kind of thing. This didn't really have any Thanksgiving spirit. Um, hold on. This what? didn't really. Also, we're in South Dakota in November. Where's the snow? Oh, she going realistic with it. Well, yeah. come on, though. Yeah, go all um, the way. Yeah. Um, so the the big thing that didn't work for me was the chemistry between Carla Gugino and Polly Shore. They were much better friends. And um, there's that scene where he wakes up with like Tiffany Amber and and she comes in and she kind of like drops the milk and she's like, oh, okay. Like, and she finds them, but it feels very like undeserved because um, it doesn't make a lot of sense that she's in like love with this person. It doesn't feel very like high, like nothing in it before felt very high stakes until just them telling her parents that, you know, she wasn't really engaged. So for that, I think that payoff doesn't work for me at all. So I'll argue that that I'm kind of so it's 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 difficult to to say but uh there's there's this the sequence right before that where it's kind of showing that maybe there's a flame or there's some sort of spark between they're them about to kiss and the grandfather interrupts them. them yeah but to me if because we still like I mentioned earlier by the end of the movie I think they more settle on being friends and just having him be part of the family. I don't know where that'll go romantically, but it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot romantically going on between them. My reading of like her dropping that is just a betrayal of trust between two friends. I don't know if I see it as more like she's, he, she's so upset with him that, um, but just, just the fact that, they had this communication with each other. And I think it was more, more of that than anything else to me. And I, and I could see that because then, you know, she's talking to the, the douchey boyfriend and he's like, you know, these LA people are slippery. You can't trust them. Uh, yeah. They'll tell you anything you want to know kind of thing. Yeah. Because, because uh, he would be crawl would be living up to everything that Travis said that he was. And true. so if, if it was true, then she would feel like, well, I'm just failing myself a little bit here. Yeah, I feel like it. Yeah. So I feel like it's much more of like a very like sweet crush people that might like each other, but haven't done like Mad Max. Yet. Very yeah. <laughs> They're helping each other out. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good friendship. Well, I like it. I like it. Do you, do you think it's a friendship, Dan? Yeah. At, at the end of the day, I probably lean a little bit more. Like you don't think there'd be a sequel where we would see them together or try to further their relationship. You just think they might be, you know, best yeah. man and maid of honor at each other's weddings. I could definitely, I think at the end of this movie, based on what Chelsea was seeing it, that what Chelsea just said about it, and watching it, I think I'd lean more towards there was not much romance there. Um, but when I say rom-com, I just mean the, the whole setup. Even though it's fake, it's still just like everything about the movie is rom-com. They could have had one kiss scene and decided to be yeah. together at the end. And it would have been a, 
a rom-com. Instead, it's just this is a platonic friend looking out for someone he truly cares about. And if they hadn't had them kiss instead of the their grandpa like interrupt them, then I would have been like, oh, okay. So her dropping the milk and feeling super betrayed is justified because obviously there are feelings there. But I guess because I didn't see them do that. I don't know. There you go. Because I'm also trying to think like, okay, she's 18 and he's in his sixth year of college. He's like so 25. Like, yeah. So there's a little bit of age difference there, which is not bad, I guess, but maybe the 18, which I also loved when that line, when she's asking, how long have you been here? And he goes, six. <laughs> I, just, I love that part about that. Um, but yeah, maybe it's like the age thing. They didn't want to like cross into that weird territory with it. I, to, to me, not to get so nerdy about it, but, you know, I'm a, a big Potter fan. And so I recently read Tom Felton's book and he talked about his relationship with Emma Watson in like there were some sparks there, but they eventually just became close friends. And I think that's pretty much what it sums up to be that that uh, they probably going through the rest of their lives together. They'll have nothing but love and they'll probably be in each other's lives. But I for for something ro truly romantic to happen it would have to be a whole other film i think they're just having they're realizing these different sides of each other like they're seeing like oh he has a tender softer side that feels more genuine and it's not always like uh crazy or super playful like he can calm down and kind of be a real person and have real thoughts and then same thing uh with her like you know, she's opened up and is not as guarded and reserved and reluctant to certain things in life. And so I think they're just kind of their wavelengths are lining up a little bit more. But I think it would take a whole other movie to kind of really sell that relationship if they chose to go that direction. All right. So to round son-in-law out, uh, let's go around the room. Uh, Dan. Do you recommend this? Do you think it's a 23%? Is it a five star? Is it a hundred percent? Where do you, where does son-in-law fall and do you recommend it? I definitely recommend it. Um, I'd be really interested to find out what a generation younger than us who has never probably even heard of Polly Shore, to be honest with you, <laughs> if we were to show them some of the Polly Shore movies, like how they would react to it. So even if they didn't like it, I would love to hear what, um, a younger crowd because i think to myself like are my kids going to find stepbrothers funny like when they finally see that years from now is that humor going to be gone is there going to be a whole different type of thing and so it would be interesting for me to see the reaction to some of Polly shores from other people but i would definitely recommend it 23 percent seems awfully low to me but also like i had said earlier i think there is a shelf life to especially Back in 1993, the what we talk about every pod is the snobbiness of critics being like, this movie was not made for me and is not highbrow enough, and therefore I must reject it. And I think I feel like there's a lot of that instead of instead of more of them just being like, you know what, I'm gonna give it two and a half stars. It's stupid. The plot's kind of sucks. It's all over the place. But if you like Polly Shore, you're gonna like this movie, and which I feel is a much more honest delivery rather than um the harshness that i saw with some of the rotten tomato reviews asking like this was an abortion of cinema and like destroying yeah. the art form 
Um, so I would recommend it. And I think people should give it another chance for sure. Good deal. Chelsea, what are you thinking? No, I, I really like this. And I think this is, if you have a family cool enough to watch this with, I think this is probably a fun family, like holiday movie. I, I was on letterbox last night looking at, um, people's reviews and someone said this is a great folding laundry movie mm-hmm. laundry folding movie yeah like laundry folding movie which i agree with it's it's fun great. enough to like mm-hmm. kind of um you know keep my attention but also i'm doing other things so okay i recommend mm-hmm. it I recommend it uh Preston and i believe we have the same answer yeah uh before we move on from that, Chelsea, I got to know your strong argument as to why this isn't a Thanksgiving movie. So it has Thanksgiving in it, but there's no like Thanksgiving spirit. It's very like bland. It's like, here's the turkey. Invite people to dinner, but there's no like huge lead up to it. As I find in other movies like that. Well, I think it's um, I, I I will argue with that. And I would say that the thing of Thanksgiving was learning about other people's cultures and accepting them and uh, learning, which is kind of son-in-law with the two cultures clashing. And then eventually they love crawls style and he loves their style. And then, you know, the stereotypical inviting uh, crawl and Timothy, Tiffany Amber Thyssen to eat. Um, is that is that's the similar thing? But I think that's like the culture's. Class. I don't know. That's what I thought. I guess I just wanted it to be like more of like a slap me in the face Thanksgiving movie with like I don't I I I didn't get like a lot of the Thanksgiving spirit. I got a lot of the fish out of water. I got you know different cultures, whatever. And if you want to say that's you know that's the Thanksgiving spirit you can, but I guess I'm just like, when I think of a Thanksgiving movie, I don't uh, like son-in-law doesn't come to my mind. So does like planes, trains and automobiles feel more like a Thanksgiving movie? Yes. Okay. Why? Yeah. Why? (laughs) Tell us. We're we're in Dan's segment of court here. Yes. (laughs) Podcast court. Let me ask you. Let me ask you a Chelsea question, Chelsea. Did someone go home for a holiday in this movie? Did someone go home for a holiday and have to be around their family? Yeah. Did they eat turkey? Thanksgiving. Did that someone? (laughs) I guess I just say I'm just saying that I wanted like more holiday spirit out of it. Well, Thanksgiving's a tough holiday because yeah. It's you not as long as Christmas. It's just one day where you're kind of miserable watching a shitty parade and waiting for the football game to come on. My oh, favorite true. holiday. No. <laughs> Thanksgiving's garbage holiday. No, it's not. It's my no. favorite okay, one. Fine. We'll do this now. Christmas. Well, Halloween. Halloween. St. Patrick's Day is more fun. Um, <laughs> thanks, you know what Thanksgiving is? If Thanksgiving, Everyone says this. If Thanksgiving was so good, why do you only meet that? eat that one terrible meal 
once a year. And why does everyone complain about their leftovers after two days? What Thanksgiving are you going to when you say Turkey one terrible meal? It's the best meal in like, the I'm world. Just, I'm just really happy this went went off of me. Into- <laughs> Bring, it. Bring it. We're coming back. The forks and you drink white. Right you start we're drinking back. white wine at 10 a.m. and you just wait for that parade to be over. Dan, where did Thanksgiving touch you? <laughs> Thanksgiving. Yeah, you need to come over to Brian's house and have a real Thanksgiving. Seriously, oh, the Thanksgiving is amazing. Yeah, it's my favorite holiday. No. On Thanksgiving, we have a Thanksgiving brunch and then we have the dinner. Yeah, and you like, look at Black Friday ads, and then everybody gets all hyped. You up watch the Cowboys and you drink and you reminisce. You have a good time and you That's, eat the best food. I do that every Sunday. every sunday i have a good meal i see family and i watch football with extended family yeah like in-laws cousins well everyone yes so thanksgiving lost its appeal to dan then correct you have the most thanksgiving spirit that's right there you go (laughs) <laughs> but Those going cinema. back to uh chelsea i tried chelsea i tried i'm just <laughs> going back. i'm just saying personally i would like more holiday spirit okay. even if they put in a little more um you know christmas holiday spirit too because oh. planes trains and automobiles is very holiday-ish <laughs> i can i can categorize it as thanksgiving or christmas i can tag watch it either tag me Dag, you're in, you're in, you're in. Okay. All right. So as it's been stated, Thanksgiving is a very hard holiday to sell because there's so many limitations compared to some. So to me, this is about as equivocal to uh, a holiday film as something like uh, It's a Wonderful Life. Like there's so much going on in It's a Wonderful Life. There's 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 more dramatic... Uh, there's dramatic stakes. There's so much things going on emotionally between the family. And then it leads up to like the, the moment that actually feels like the most Christmassy out of all of it. As Brian kind of stated, like it's the, the big feast. We do have the feast here. It doesn't, it's not extended in the way, like something like, I don't know, four brothers or something is where they have like a huge sit down and they're all eating together and they're commenting on the food and things like that. I just don't know what else you could really throw in there, but I think what makes it feel, uh, I'm not going to stretch it and compare it to the Mayflower like Brian did, but, uh, it's (laughs) him, him wearing the PJs and like the pilgrim hat at the beginning. That is true. Um, hungry man who's going to eat like a turkey dish on his own like that kind of plants the the idea of like what thanksgiving is like that's all it's been to him him eating on his own so he's getting you know being taken to this town actually going to have like a true family experience and so just having all that family experience like that's what that's what thanksgiving is to me i don't uh them sitting down watching the game it'd be beyond where the plot needed to go but uh i still like there's not many Thanksgiving movies. Like I, I, I can only maybe count them on a hand. Um, I wonder why. Wonder why. Because because there's why. there's not much to 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 do with it. Exactly. Like, exactly. Bottom tier holiday. Not much to do I with it. I disagree. Oh. There's so much to do with Thanksgiving in terms of aesthetics. Like there's not much you can do 
with it. Like, I think you can yeah. just have family, come, like, like meet the parents style type of thing or something like that. Like We're that. We're about to find out when Eli Roth's Thanksgiving comes out in two weeks. We'll find out what they can do with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, all right, uh, Chelsea. Any 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 retorts to that? Fuck you. <laughs> uh, okay. All right, so we we brought this up at the beginning of the show a little bit, and it goes with inserting Polly Shore into another movie. But we brought up, Preston brought up that we can see Polly Shore being in a very dramatic role like Brendan Fraser and the whale, is there a movie or something like you, you want to see Polly Shore in like, that's very dramatic or not his norm. I th- I think it would just have to be something kind of like the whale character in that. So I saw, I did not see him in the nineties do stand up. I actually saw him like he's in like the saddest stretch of his life right now. I've heard so many stories of people in Austin and, 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 uh, Ditton, uh, where I'm from. I don't know if he's been in Ditton, but Dallas, like he's a young bartender or barista will be working and then he'll hit on them and they'll be like, I don't know who you are. Um, and he's kind of using a celebrity card. This is all like rumors and things that I've been told. I hate that I've been talking so positively about him, but, from everything that I saw at this, the standup that I saw him at, which was funny, but it was also like just more sad than anything because he's had like this, he was at the top for that, for those few years. And then it just like really bottom, uh, like fell very fast and uh, people were exhausted by him or maybe there just wasn't enough to do. I don't know. There's like a big, discussion that could be had about all that but from that stand-up that i saw from him like he's had a lot of experience and sadness in his life and so i would kind of want to see something on that level where he's experienced things and like maybe like it's kind of like uh you always wonder like what happened with that stoner character from that movie? Like, where are they at in life? Are they still kind of, you know, like Dan was saying, like, are they still wearing the Letterman jacket? Or the, yeah, you know? or like like Roy Cochran from Days of Confused. Like, we all know that he's been in serious stuff since then. Yeah, yeah. And then the cheap thing is always like making them a janitor or something like that. I would want something a little more realistic or something that like thinking about the good times in life and how great they were, but how can I find, you know, greatness again? And and that's kind of like what the whale was too. Like there was a, you know, greatness in his life at a certain point and then it didn't happen for him. And, and so, but he still remained positive. So like, I think something like that would be interesting. Like a continuation of this son-in-law character would be good for me. And I think he could find some awards potential in that. Um, so it's it's in there. I, I just don't know. I, I, w- I would want to fashion it and craft it in such a way where it didn't feel cheap. Like it just. Right. Felt like- I would like to see him in something like maybe like a revamp of Tootsie. Like he can play that character, but then also have the serious side. And I'd also really love to see him in a Wes Anderson movie, like complete yeah, opposite be- of what he is right now. But like something more like like Darjeeling Limited, where it's like really meaningful and about the characters uh and as well that's where my mind went to it Any, I think anybody that else be, i think that could be good kind of like uh uh what's his name michael keaton kind of did he started 
small in those like supporting roles to come yep. back and star again. Would be awesome. Uh, Chelsea, Dan, any any suggestions on that that you want to see Polly Shore in? I was gonna say give him like a or the past few years or the past decade like some kind of archival footage and some give him like a documentary on like HBO or something leading up to like a like a comeback like an A24 role or something yeah um, like a supporting role in something like yeah I, a lot of people you know as Roger Ebert said like I don't know how they can if they can handle him in an entire movie yeah uh, but i think if he he could find a way to just do like a supporting role and something that's very dramatic and heavy and he could find a way or even a horror movie i don't know that'd be interesting that'd be interesting dan i see him do ending up doing something like a goodwill hunting like what robin williams did in goodwill hunting oh that'd be like so really cool. quiet understated and so you're not expecting him to not be yeah like he never leans into the weasel thing at all. It's just like, here's Polly Shore. I don't know if he has that in him, but I'm just saying like a really small role, maybe 20, 25 minutes of screen time where he's not insane, but it's kind of like a sage or like a professor or like a wise helping out a character. I could see that being a gateway to him revamping a different part of the career where he's at now. That isn't as sad as what Preston described because I've heard a lot of those stories too, especially with Googling about this movie. You put his name in the Google and nothing's yeah. nothing's great. Nothing's yeah. great in that. I hate I hate hearing that because I I'm in his corner. Uh, but uh, it, it seems like he's kind of facing. I don't know. Apparently he's engaged to Drew Barrymore right now. Saw that. Well, it's interesting uh, for the marketing of this movie, MTV did a contest yeah, of yeah. Mary Paul, who wants to marry Polly Shore. And the winner actually got to marry Polly Shore, even though there was no like state and federal signees of it. But they had a ceremony, which I thought was pretty funny. Where's Very that weird marketing. We find that person have them on this podcast seriously like how'd that go did you only get to see Polly shore for like five minutes and that was it how'd that work out and do you still keep in touch <laughs> does he call you I'm um but I, that point of his career he doesn't even remember doing that yeah maybe not <laughs> uh would, would would anybody marry Polly shore here no never know no i wouldn't even invite him over for thanksgiving yeah, right. I will. I will, Dan, and we will have a good time for Thanksgiving. Yeah. Uh, Wait, Brian, is this your favorite Polly Shore movie? Like, where do you, where does it, your other Polly Shore movies rank? So, I really, so this is my my favorite one uh, of his, like leading. But it would probably have to go to In the Army now, and then um, Biodome, and then Jury Duty. Well, those are, pro but they're all like up there. And I would say like this. Son-in-law is a five-star movie for me. Like this is a 98, 99% for me. I love it. I don't think there's really anything wrong with it. I I mean, I enjoy the hell out of this movie. And I think it's a, a classic for me around this time of the year. Um, I, But I don't know if I would say like trying to define like what my five-star rating is, is very difficult. Um, but <laughs> I don't know if I could say this is at 98% like that. If I think if I was looking at it realistically, I'd probably say maybe like high, uh, like 80 area or something like that. Um, but I love it. I will always watch it annually and 
and I, so it's had a big effect on my life, but, um, yeah. Uh, uh, where does Encino man sit? I know that's not like a leading role for him. It's kind of like a co-billing. So I like Encino man. Cause I feel like the character Encino man, they wanted that character in son-in-law and I like Encino man, even though it's so crazy, but it's also very similar to son-in-law where it's like two different cultures kind of coming together of like a caveman and trying to figure it out. Um, I like it's for its, I like it for its um, like, it's just sheer fun and enjoyable, but I think Sunlaw has more heart. Whereas Encino yeah. man is just super fun to watch because I mean, it's got the dance sequence. It's got the bullying. It's got be your own person, no matter what. And then you have Polly Shore just, he's the, cause like Sean Aston is the straight and narrow character and his, crazy wacky buddy is Polly Shore. So, I mean, right. I don't know. I, I like Encino Man. And if I had to put that in the pocket of all of those others, I would probably put that uh, probably somewhere in the middle just because it's nostalgic. Yeah. Uh, my, my list is pretty much the exact same. I love In the Army now. That's That one's... And you know what? It's weird because Andy Dick just annoys me a lot, even though I find him funny sometimes, but he's so good in that movie. And David Alan Greer is so good in that movie. And Laurie Petty. It's because Andy Dick's very uh, reeled in compared Yeah, to- he's very, yeah, very reeled in. Um, yeah, but I, I one of the things I say all the time is from In the Army Now, is like, is it hot in Chad? Yeah. And I just like, I love that. I love that. Uh, so good. Yeah. I always do my brother the pool the pool man or the pool boy. <laughs> my brother the pool man the, my brother the uh, pool. yeah that that movie's great it 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 uh, has a lot of quotable lines I just think like this one in terms of its charm and how genuine it it, it aims to be in terms of in terms of the family aspect I think it hits the hardest uh, and is in the number one spot but in the army now is very fun uh, it has a great group of people you enjoy hanging out with them. Um, yeah, everything you said about Encino Man is fun. Uh, Biodome is just special to me, even though it's not the best. It's very stupid in the very beginning. I mean, stupid all the way throughout, but especially dumb in the beginning. Uh, but it still has its moments. Uh, Jerry Duty is definitely my least favorite. I think it has one really solid scene in it, and then the rest of it just doesn't land. It isn't as funny to me. Yeah. It's the sequence when he's on the bus and he's doing the trying to do the announcer on the bus type of oh, thing. Oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah. And he I does like that. Laugh. He's like, hey, everybody getting on the bus. <laughs> uh whatever he does. <laughs> it, you do a good it's job. So good. so good. Chelsea, do you have a favorite Polly Shore movie? I don't Goofy think movie. Uh, yeah. Talk to me, Jesus. talk to me, Stacy, baby. Um. Yeah, a, a goofy movie. I was gonna say I don't think I've seen any other like Polly Shore movies. Um, besides Encino Man, that he's just in for a little. Um, no, I don't really. I'm not a huge fan. So well, now that you found this, definitely go watch In the Army now, and I think you'll you'll be a fan. So good, so good. All right, so that. Thanksgiving, yes. We're going to have more shows coming up on Fear and Loathing and Cinema podcast. Thank you for listening. Dan, where can they find you online? 
on Instagram, Fear and Loathing in Cinema Podcast Instagram account. Excellent. Uh, Chelsea, where can they find you? Chelsea Nico, Chelsea Nico, and then Miss underscore Tenenbaum on Twitters. Twitters. Hell yeah. And the inbreeder himself, Press and Barto, where can they find you? Farmersonly.com. Uh, you can find me on uh, freshfiction.tv where I'm the features editor and on the Ditton Record Chronicle, DittonRC.com for all my reviews and interviews and things like that. And most active on Instagram under Blue Ray Dad. And then I'm also on Twitter or everything else as Preston Barter. Hell yeah. Find me, Brian Kluger. Type me in Twitter, Instagram. That's where I'm most. TikTok. TikTok's good. Our last uh, our last fun Troll 2 video on TikTok had almost 900 views, so that's great. We're getting up there. And uh, yeah, High Death Digest and BoomstickComics.com. Thank you so much for listening to Fear and Loathing. And keep it straight with the Wee-Easel. Yeah, buddy. Bye.